Hey guys. Hey everybody. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chase. And this is Crime with the K. And we're back with another episode. Yeah, yeah. First we're of back. all. Uh-huh. What? So we're back. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, first of all, sorry if there were audio issues last time. Things went a little haywire. It was pitter-pattering. It was <laughs> pitter-pattering. But we'll jump right into it because we gave you 20 minutes of chatting last week. So, coffee of the day. Chase picked it out today. Yeah, I like their logo. Summit Coffee. I was going to say, you got to tell them, oh, okay, tell them yeah. what it is. Summit Coffee. Very cool. Very hip. They have a cool logo. Looks like my logo for my company. Yeah, actually it does. But mine's better. Yours has more peaks. Yeah, because we're the best. Mm. There are only one peak. We're multiple peaks. Mm. But, we but went, it was good. We went to Summit Coffee, and I think it's it's owned by a local family, but it's kind of a chain around Charlotte. I almost called it Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> it's a chain around Charlotte. And it's really good. We got... You didn't even tell them what you got. He's out of it today, Mike. I got a iced latte with vanilla syrup. What kind of milk? The, whatever they put in. Whole I'm going to say whole, yeah. Whatever yeah. milk they want to give me. Jesus. Except almond. But you drink almond at home. Because there's a, no other There's option. no other milk, yeah. it's really what I got. And I only do it with cereal. Yeah. But it's good. It was very good. I wonder. I only had like a couple of sips. I wonder how it's gonna make me be feeling soon. I know. It makes me nap. Yeah, Chase like crashes around two o'clock when he has coffee. Yep. Meanwhile, I'm up all day long, ready to just get ready to take on the day. I know. We're going. We're gonna go for a walk after this. Yep. Because it's about nice outside. And we got dinner plans. We do. So I definitely need a nap. Yeah. And I got an iced latte with almond milk, and I didn't get a flavor today. I know. Look at you. I'm really getting old. I'm like, I like the taste of coffee. <laughs> well, they didn't have that many either. <laughs> no, they had. They had like four. But they did have some cool, um, like, cold foams. Yeah. They, they had like cold blueberry foams. cold foam. Mm-hmm. They had like pink raspberry cold foam. I've never seen that before. Cookies and cream cold foam. Yeah, that too. Look, that was pretty fancy stuff. If but you can get a frother on Amazon to make yourself cold foams, 10 out of 10 would recommend. You need one? I have one. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You've made my cold film before. Oh, I'd have. You're right. Forgot. I have. But it's just with the milk. Yeah. But, like, you could do, like, if you were to, if you wanted to do the Starbucks one, here, I'll tell you guys what it is. It's 1% milk, a little bit of heavy cream, and vanilla syrup. You just do two pumps of the syrup. Mm. Where do you buy the syrup? You can actually buy the Starbucks syrup at Starbucks. It's $11. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Well, so there you go, everybody. It. Letting out the secrets. Let We're going to get the Starbucks FBI on us. <laughs> so let's jump into today's case because this let's is, do it. This one's crazy. Uh-huh. No, it's like actually wild. It's oh. actually pretty messed up. Okay, well, let's hear it. There's a lot of tea involved. All right. So Michelle Summers was born on January 15th, 1957, in Concord, California. Michelle was beautiful. And she had always been beautiful, and she was known for just being absolutely stunning. Like, she was known for other things, too, but no, I I don't want that that to sound shallow. She was known for other things, but you'll get why I'm saying this. Like, when you see a photo of her, she's one of those women that you're like, okay, yeah, you're gorgeous. You're a beautiful woman. She had a big, bright smile. She was blonde. Her skin was flawless. She was just one of those girls who grabbed your attention when you walked into a room. But Michelle was also extremely smart. She was academically gifted as well as athletically gifted. She was popular in high school, and she played the violin, and she was on the school's cheerleading team. Well, look at that. 
Michelle won Homecoming Queen, and then she went on to start competing in Beauty Queen pageants. And Michelle was named Miss Concord in 1976, and then she went on to compete in Miss California. Damn. Yes. All right. Well, look at you. Because she can play the violin. She can get those points. <laughs> oh, for the beauty pageant? Yeah. Don't they have to, like, do some special thing? I've never watched one. Oh. I mean, I haven't either. I just know, like, you, like, do a talent, I think. Oh. And then they ask you questions. And it's always like, end world hunger. Yeah. And then they, like, like yeah. you can do something, like, so she probably played the violin. Yeah. Michelle loved to travel, and she even did an exchange program where she went across the pond to Switzerland during a semester. Been there, done that. Michelle wanted to learn about the world and see the world and really spend some time outside of the U.S. Michelle was also in theater, and she loved acting, and she loved being in plays, and she was a part of the drama club. Michelle was also extremely religious, and she took a lot of pride in her faith in the Mormon church. When Michelle was 20 years old, she went to a singles event that her local church in Mission Viejo, California was putting on, and this is where she met 21-year-old Martin McNeil. All right, Mr. McNeil. Mr. McNeil. Michelle quickly fell head over heels for Martin, and she would later say that she was drawn in by his confident manner and his stunning good looks. When Michelle introduced Martin to her family, they immediately got a nick. Really? Mm-hmm. They were like, mm, he ain't it. Mm-mm. They couldn't quite put the finger on why. Like, there wasn't anything glaringly awful about Martin, but they just had this feeling that they couldn't shake that he wasn't a good person. Hmm. Martin was bad news, and Michelle could do much better, but they didn't want to rain on Michelle's parade because they knew that she was really happy, she was really excited, so they were just hoping that the relationship would at some point fizzle out. They also noticed that Michelle was already so in love with Martin that she probably wouldn't listen to them anyways, and they didn't want to push her away by saying things that she wasn't going to hear. Mm -hmm. Michelle had grown up in a warm, loving family that provided her with, quote, a fairy tale childhood. Michelle had lived a relatively easy life. She had good experiences. She had seen new places. Martin, however, was raised on the other side of the country in Camden, New Jersey, And at the time of Martin's upbringing, this is where crime, substance abuse, physical abuse, those were a constant regularity in that town and in Martin's family. Mm -hmm. So he was not brought up the same way. Two different worlds. Yeah, which is fine. They do work. But in this situation, they just weren't. Okay. Quote, while Michelle's upbringing conditioned her to trust others, Martin's childhood experiences taught him that to get what he wanted, he must lie and behave in the most cunning ways possible. In other words, Michelle was the perfect victim upon whom Martin could use his skills of manipulation to get what he wanted. Martin had claimed that he'd been attending Brigham Young University, Mm -hmm. where he was earning a law degree, and he had plans to go on to medical school with an aspiration to become a doctor. BYU. BYU. Go Cougars. I knew it. (laughs) So here we go. You You know who went there. Oh, the Jets. Yeah, look at you, see? Well, not the actual, the whole team. The whole but, team. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah, but you know. Um, Jack Wilson. It's close. It rhymes with Jack. Zach. Yeah. He's the one that slept with his mom's best friend. Yes, we do. That's all I think about. Michelle loved Martin. She loved that he was as devoted to his faith as she was. She loved that he wanted children and had big dreams for a successful career. The two got married really quickly. Almost as quickly as they'd fallen in love. They went and eloped away from all their friends and family, which was very confusing to Michelle's friends and family. They thought that she'd always wanted a big wedding with her family and her friends by their by her side. So they were a little hurt, but they accepted it. The other thing was typically people do get married in the Mormon church. 
and you have your friends around, they didn't. So they were a little confused by that, too, with how devoted to her face she was. Yeah. Michelle had always wanted to become a mom, and she was so beyond excited that now, in this new marriage with her forever guy, she was ready to have kids. Yeah. These two got right to it with kids. Oh, I have no doubt. Martin and Michelle went on to have four children within their first five years of marriage. Oh, my God. So she really was, like, pregnant for four straight years. For four, yeah. Yeah. Friends and family Mm. said that Michelle took to motherhood very easily and very naturally. Later on, Michelle's kids would describe her as a great mom, that she was kind, she was patient, she was attentive. Even outsiders would say that Michelle was great at being a mom, and she was just a great person in general. Michelle was known as being kind to everyone and always being very pleasant to engage with. Quote, all she cared about, I mean, is her family. I mean, her family was her life. Michelle definitely ran the house while Martin went on to work as a doctor. Michelle was a former beauty queen, so she held her kids to the higher standard, always making sure that they looked their best, acted their best. The kids were always in nice clothes. They held their heads high. They were put together. They were always freshly groomed. But Michelle wanted more children. So after her four oldest got out of the house and started to move, make their way from you know, young kids to teenagers and later teenagers, she and Martin went on to adopt four more children. Oh my God. Yeah. Three of which were from Ukraine. This took the family of six to ten and from four kids to eight kids. Holy bajoli. Crazy. And you and I are like, is one enough? <laughs> I know. Do we even want that? I know. We're like, it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. And she's like, no, no, no. Four at a time, please. I know. My goodness. Well, I don't think they adopted them all at the same time. Okay, but still eight kids. Yeah. But you know what? My eight mom children. wanted eight kids. Well, did she? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Well, technically. Yeah. Technically. She, but she would always tell my real dad, I want eight kids. And he was like, absolutely not. And then she met my stepdad, who was five. We are not having eight. I don't don't get that mindset in you. (laughs) You could field a whole basketball team (laughs) plus two on the bench. Martin was known as a good dad, and he was extremely involved in the day to day. Martin made it a point to always be around for the kids' events, their activities, things that they needed. He really enjoyed being a dad, and he really did love his family. Martin and Michelle had a different dynamic, though, due to the fact that Michelle was a stay-at-home mom and Martin was a working as a prominent doctor and he was the breadwinner of the family. Martin loved to be the center of attention, often being loud and outgoing, while Michelle was very quiet and reserved. And the two had very different personalities aside from being great parents together. Martin also loved the fact that he was a doctor and he wanted everyone to know that he was not only a doctor, but also a lawyer. Martin loved to show off his money as well, making sure that everyone in town knew that the McNeil family was rolling in it and that he was the one making it all happen. I mean, not the most uncommon thing. Mm. A lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. Those who knew Martin said that Martin McNeil made sure to let people know that he was both a doctor and a lawyer and he had the degrees for both. Quote, he walked in the room and sort of took it over like, look at me, like he was above everybody. I never liked him. He seemed arrogant to me. He seemed all about himself. Then there was the time that Martin had his 15 minutes of fame in their state of Utah. The Utah governor at the time had asked Martin to come work as the medical director for the Utah State of Development Center in American Fork, Utah, which was also, I've never heard that town. American Fork? American Fork. This was something that Martin was constantly boasting about, and people began to become really turned off by Martin. They honestly just wanted him to stop talking. About himself? About about himself and his career. Throughout their relationship, a lot of Michelle's friends and family found Martin to be a complete eye roll. 
They wondered why Michelle was with this guy, and they always believed that she could do much better than what they believed that she'd settled for. Aside from the arrogance, there were several people that believed that Martin was controlling and manipulative over Michelle. The McNeil kids later came out and stated that they were constantly defending their dad to people and explaining away the bad behavior that he was exhibiting towards their mom out in public. Hmm. They'd tell people that their dad maybe came across as bad or mean out in public, but he was much different behind closed doors at home, and that he loved and cared about their mother, and their relationship was extremely loving. Well, that's that, that doesn't correlate whatsoever. No. Why would you treat her shitty in public? Mm-hmm. Many of Michelle's friends even went to Michelle and said that they really didn't like the two of them together and that there were a lot of red flags waving around the relationship in its entirety. They even suggested that they thought Martin was cheating on her or doing bad behavior behind her back that was toxic and unhealthy and not at all husband-like. But Michelle, though she knew her husband may not always be the best or the most kind towards her, Martin was her husband and the father of their eight children. She didn't want to split their family up, and she didn't want to accuse Martin of things that she wasn't 100% sure that he was doing. But yeah, I mean, like, as a, as the, like, I was thinking that when you were talking about her, like, parents and family being like, this is not the right guy. Well, it's like, she has eight kids with this dude mm-hmm. at this point. Like, it's not as easy as just being like, I deserve better. Once kids are involved, it's really hard. Eight of them. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. You got a family, and she doesn't work. Right. So, like, what happens if, like, he's going to take the kids? Because at this point, they've been married for, like, 25, 28 years. Yeah, and, like, what is the, like, if you take her to court or whatever, who's going to, like... Right. He makes the money. He's the breadwinner. She'd probably get alimony, but also, too, for her, it would be like, well, I'm going to have to still go get a job, which I'm sure she would do. She didn't seem like somebody that wouldn't work. But I think it was more about the kids and the family and, like... It's not that easy. Right. Yeah. And divorce... And you really haven't been working for 20 years. Right. So it's not as easy as I'll just go get a job. Like, it's hard. Like you st- that's a big adjustment. I think the other thing is there's still a stigma around divorce. Like, it's scary. Especially in, like, when you're really faith, like, yeah. religious. Yeah. Because yeah. you're devoting, like, I'm making this mm-hmm. um, matrimony under God and now yeah, and it didn't work. Or, like. Yeah. And they've been together, obviously, yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. But then things got weird. Hmm. Well, Martin got weird. Yeah. Um. Rachel McNeil, one of the couple's oldest daughters, said that their dad changed significantly when he turned 50. Quote, he started acting very strangely. He just became obsessed with losing weight and his appearance. He'd go to the tanning salons. Martin became obsessed with his physical appearance, like to an extreme and unhealthy level. He was always at the gym. He was always tanning. He was always watching what he ate, always looking in the mirror at his hair and his face and his body, which... Is great, right? Like, you want to care about what you look like. But whenever this happens in a relationship, we saw it with Chris Watts. We see it with other different type of narcissistic people. It usually only means one thing. Midlife crisis? Another woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Typically when you see, like... I was just thinking the man's having a hormonal midlife crisis. So, like, Chris Watts did the same thing. He became obsessed with fitness and looking at himself and keeping groomed and wearing the nicest outfits and going and like getting new clothes and chiseled and haircuts and then it found out he was in an affair that's typically Mm. where you see it happen because you're trying to look young and yeah you want to look hot Mm -hmm. at first the family thought that martin was going through a midlife crisis (laughs) (laughs) maybe struggling with getting older they thought that maybe he was just trying to get in shape and was now taking it to an unhealthy level but Michelle began to have her own suspicions about her husband and his newfound love of looking his damn near best. Mm. 
Michelle McNeil began to suspect that her husband was having an extramarital affair. Michelle thought that Martin had met someone else, particularly someone younger, and was trying to get in shape to impress this new woman. Michelle had felt like things had been off for a while, their romantic chemistry wasn't really there anymore, and she felt like Martin had become really distant from her. So Michelle decided that she was going to confront her husband about her suspicions and see what he had to say for himself. Mm, Good on her. Go right to the source. Right to the source. When Michelle confronted Martin and asked him, are you cheating on me? Martin basically laughed in her face and turned the tables back on Michelle. Martin said that he was just concerned with how he looked and that he wanted to look his best, even at 50 years old, and that it was strange that Michelle didn't want to look her best at 50. Martin basically, in short, told Michelle that she should be less concerned about cheating and more concerned about making some new changes to her own appearance, Hmm. which every woman loves to hear from their doting husband. Uh, Especially after you're trying to have a serious conversation about cheating. Yes. You're like, I'm... Actually, you're ugly, so you should fix that. Right. Like, you've let yourself go. You should really hone in on that. But I'm not cheating, I swear. It's... Michelle became extremely insecure after this suggestion, and Martin just continued to drive the wedge. He told Michelle that she was the entire reason that they were distant and that their marriage was falling apart, that she drove him out of the house and to the gym because that was the only thing that was making him feel better. Martin told Michelle that she completely let herself go and that her physical appearance was not what it was back in the day. Well, yeah, she's 50. Right. <laughs> right. And had four kids. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Martin then told Michelle that she should start making some changes to her own body, particularly and especially her face. Martin decided right then and there that Michelle would be getting a full facelift. So he's trying to make her look like his new affair lover? Um, I'm not going to say anything, Mm -hmm. but this is all a plan. No, I have no doubt. Martin then went on to convince Michelle that she needed to get this full facelift. One of their daughters would later say that this facelift was completely out of the blue when their mother told them about it. Quote, my mom never talked about that before or anything. She'd never been into plastic surgery. But Michelle was desperate. She didn't want to lose her husband, the man that she loved and had eight children with. And she thought, well, a lot of women in their 50s get cosmetic surgery, so I guess I should too. Martin was finally able to convince Michelle to get the surgery, and while doing the convincing, he'd gone out and prospected for a surgeon to perform this procedure on his wife. Oh, wow. So he's like running the show. Yeah. He's like, yep, I will find you someone and you will go today. That's so weird. uh, Michelle had told Martin that she didn't want to do it right away. She wasn't fully ready and she wanted some time to think about it a bit more. Well, Martin already found a plastic surgeon Mm -hmm. and he then insisted that the operation would be occurring immediately, like within the week. Martin told Michelle that there was no need to wait and that it should just be done as soon as possible. Martin told Michelle that this would be the best time because their daughter, Alexis, would be home on the spring break so she could help take care of her, thus digging into Michelle and honing in that this was the best time for this procedure. Yeah. Actually, on the way to the doctor's office for the appointment, Michelle said, I don't want to do this. I want to think about it a bit more. And Martin said to her, you will be having it done today or not at all, and I will not be staying with you if you don't get it done. Uh, so ultimatum. Yep. Yeah, lovely. He was really That's great. That's high class. Yeah. yeah. Classy guy. As a doctor, too. You really want the best for your patients. Yeah, <laughs> right. His own wife. Yep. Yeah, he's yeah going downhill fast. Michelle went under the knife and had the surgery on April 3rd, 2011. 
Michelle was getting a lot of different things done to her face. And at that age, it's just get like, yeah, it's a lot. Be, there's more, tons yeah. more risk at that age to be doing stuff. Uh, and just wait, like you listen to how much she got done. She was having a ponytail facelift. If you don't know what that is, there's actually a lot of girls my age getting them now. Think, your age? Oh, yeah. Because it's when you, th- so take your hair and put it up on a ponytail and pull it back and it pulls your eyes up higher. It pulls your cheeks, it pulls your cheek back. So basically what you're having lifted is the sides of your eyes to have higher brows, higher eyes, higher, no, like less fat in your cheeks. Your all, basically all your skin is pulled back. So you have less, like, I don't know. How, I don't want to say it because like I have a rounder face. So like girls like to have the fat taken out. So that's what it looks like is you have a more... Think of like the Hailey Bieber look, like she's had a ponytail facelift. Mm-hmm. She also were having different fillers, like under eye filler, lip flips, things like that, Botox. All at she, one time. All at one time. She was having her nose redone, and then she was having her chin and her neck done. So like what the hell? double chin and then the neck pinning. Yeah, crazy. Typically, surgeons will take a break. Like, they'll break all of those different procedures up because the longer that you're under anesthesia, especially at 50, the more chance you have of something going wrong. Also, this is a lot of trauma to your body at once, especially your face. And pain. Yeah. This means the healing process for this is going to be insanely time-consuming and insanely painful. Martin was the one who argued with the surgeon that these procedures will not be and should not be broken up, that all of this could be done at once and it would be done at once. He played the card that his wife wanted these procedures done and she only wanted to go under the knife one time. Since Martin was the one doing all the back and forth with the surgeon and Michelle trusted him because he was a doctor and her husband, Martin gave the doctor a list of post-op medications that he insisted would be prescribed for his wife. They included Valium, Ambien, Fernigan, Percocet, and Lortab. Holy shit. All central nervous system depressants, never meant to be taken at the same time. The doctor that was performing the surgery was really confused as to why all of these medications needed to be prescribed, but Martin was also a doctor and a prestigious one at that, so the surgeon agreed to the prescriptions, believing and trusting that Martin, a respectable doctor, would handle these medications appropriately. Martin had convinced the surgeon by telling him that the pain after these operations was going to be unbearable and this would allow him to basically have a supply cabinet to give his wife whatever she needed to feel better. When Michelle got out from the surgery, Alexis, their daughter, had come to pick her mom up. So as you can see, the loving husband who convinced her to have all yeah, the cosmetic work was nowhere to be found to pick her up. Yeah, yeah, awful. Alexis said that her mom was in a lot of pain and she looked really bad and really beat up. She spent over nine hours in the surgery holy shit yeah alexis brought her mom home got her all set up in bed gave her some medication and then went downstairs to go see her dad martin then told alexis that she didn't have to stay and she could go out and enjoy her spring break and that he would take care of her mother she was fine quote my dad told me to to leave he said i'll take care of her medicines tonight alexis thought that it was kind of weird but she didn't think too much of it because she trusted her dad and that she knew he was a doctor Ugh, the more you say, it's just irritating. Yeah, because... He was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't find... Cool. Like, great. It doesn't mean, like... Like, it's like saying anything about he was a cop. Well, there's bad cops, good cops, bad doctors, good doctors. But, it, like, somebody who's your parent... Haven't we watched... Did we write and talk about a case where the guy was, like, giving babies away as a doctor? Oh, 
No, he was injecting women with his own sperm to get them pregnant with his. But he was a doctor. I know. (laughs) No, all of these really make me think like, first of all, but it does make me scared to go get new doctors because I'm like, oh, my God. And like even like when I went under surgery for my ACL, imagine like you could do anything. Yeah. I mean, when I broke my jaw. Yeah. But I I like that doctor and I trusted him a lot. Yeah. He was a very good man. Yeah. You'll when we talk about Martin, you're not going to get like. Like Dr. Gill, who did my ACL, did not give me the same vibe that Martin was giving his patients. The next day, Alexis came back to the house and she saw that her mother was completely out of it. Michelle was completely sedated. She wasn't moving. She wasn't speaking. She was just completely gone laying there. Alexis went to her dad and asked him, why did you give her so much medication? Because the amount that you gave her was completely unnecessary to sedate her. Martin said to her, quote, Oh, well, your mother threw up at one point, and so I gave her more medication thinking that she threw up the first batch, but I may have given her too much, huh? Well, Alexis was also in medical school. She was following in her father's footsteps, Mm. so she knew something was very off. Michelle had also been wearing an eye patch, so she couldn't actually see what Martin was giving her. When Michelle came to, she asked Alexis to come chat, and she told Alexis that she was really worried because she had no idea what medications Martin had been giving her but that something didn't feel right. Michelle had Alexis bring all of the medications to her so that she could get a feel for each one and learned what each of them did. And that way she was going to see, have I, am I being given too much? Because she was like, what's the dosage? When am I supposed to take it? What is this one? What does it feel like? That's smart. Yeah. Alexis at that point decided that she was going to stick around for a bit until her mom got a bit better and that she would be in charge of the medications for her mom going forward. Alexis even told her dad that she would be the one giving her mom some medications going forward. Quote, she told me, she said, give me each of the pills so I can feel it with my finger. So if he tries to give me something else, I'll know what he's giving me. Alexis's spring break was then coming to an end. And when she went in to spend some last day quality time with her mom, Michelle made an extremely eerie request of her daughter. Alexis was helping her mom take a bath and washing her hair when she, quote, she started to cry. She said, if anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. I just want to go back to school. No, I'd be like, "Mm mm-mm. No, thanks. I'll take the semester off. Alexis was stunned, and at first she was really upset with her mom for saying this. Alexis felt like Michelle was in a really good place with how her recovery was going, and she trusted her dad to continue taking care of her mom, so she didn't take the request too seriously. Ugh, that's so annoying. The day wrapped up and Alexis made her way back to med school to finish up the semester. Then, on April 11th, 2011, Martin and his daughter Ada were coming home from school and they got back into the house at 11.30 a.m. When they got inside, Martin told Ada to go upstairs and check on her mom. So Ada goes upstairs and she finds her mom unconscious and not breathing in a bathtub full of water. Ada goes screaming to her father, basically like, oh my god, mom's underwater, she's not breathing. Martin rushes to call 911, and when the 911 dispatcher answers, even she is stunned by Martin's behavior. Martin gets on the call, and he begins frantically screaming that he needs help. I'm not going to play it. It's kind of hard to understand, and I don't know if the mic will pick it up. Oh, yeah, that was what you were playing. I knew I had it in here. Like, I played it the other night, and Chase came to find me going, what the heck are you listening to? I literally sound like two dogs barking at each other. I'm like, what are you listening to? This is so weird. You know, I'm like, oh, got it. That means I can't play it on the mic. But I would say you can Google like Martin McNeil 911 call and you can listen to it. 
When the 911 operator asks what's wrong, Martin tells her that his wife has fallen in the tub. She at she then goes on to ask if she's breathing, and he just keeps saying, quote, she's underwater. The 911 operator asks if Martin can take her out of the bathtub. Yeah, like, can you get her yeah. out of the water? To which he says he can't. Martin also sounds extremely angry and irate on the phone. Everyone reacts differently in distress, but to be angry is a very weird reaction. Or not taking her out of a bathtub. Yeah. Martin then just hangs up. Which is weird because most people desperately cling to 911 as a lifeline to keep their person getting help well, and make sure that they're on the way. You yeah. should know that shit. Yeah. So the 911 operator calls back because they didn't have an address to send an ambulance to. Martin then gives the dispatcher the wrong address, which typically means they're trying to delay, delay. Yeah, yeah. the ambulance getting there. Martin then screams that he's doing CPR. He then hangs up again. Oh, so now he can get her out of the bathtub. No, he's he's like doing it in the tub. Is yeah. he like not? He's been going to the gym for how long? Okay. You feel like he could pick her up out of a tub. <laughs> That's literally one of my points later on in this. But, but not before screaming that he's a physician several times. Because she's like, can you get her out of? The-? He's like, I'm a physician. She's like, That's great. <laughs> then do something. She's like, are you, doing, are you doing CPR? He's like, I am a physician. Like, great. Well, guess what? You're telling everyone she's still in the tub. Martin also told... This woman probably was like, I'm going home and having the largest drink I could have. Yeah. Martin also told the dispatcher that Michelle had a facelift a few days ago. Oh, wait. When Martin told the dispatcher that he couldn't get Michelle out of the bathtub, a lot of people, especially police and EMTs when they showed up, thought that this was really strange. Michelle only weighed 180 pounds, and Martin had been hitting the gym quite a bit lately. And usually when you see something happening to someone, yeah. your adrenaline it takes over, over, and you get, like, they talk about it, you get, like, superhuman strength. Yeah. But and Martin, speed and, like, mm-hmm. adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, you would literally be able to pick up anything. Because you get this rush of, like, <gasps> and then you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty crazy. But Martin is insisting that he cannot lift his wife out of the tub. Martin then told Ada to run across the street and get the neighbor. The neighbor then came over, and he and Martin lifted Michelle out of the bathtub. However, by the time EMTs arrived, Michelle McNeil had passed away and could not be resuscitated. Imagine being the daughter. I know. The amount of, like, guilt you're going to have to live with knowing that... stress, yeah. Your mom told you to, like, I'm having this serious doubts about this. Mm -hmm. And you kind of brush it off and just go back to school. Yep. I know. I know I don't want to like pick too hard on her. No, I'm not saying I'm picking on her. I'm I'm talking about the guilt that she probably has. Oh, yeah, I know. And also, it's stunning, too, because then you learn that your dad is this like monster. Awful human being. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time EMTs arrived, Michelle McNeil passed away and could not be resuscitated. When police arrived, they noted that Martin was frantic and angry. He seemed to even be mad at Michelle and was screaming at her things like, quote, why did you even have to have this surgery as she's laying deceased on the gurney? Because you told her to. Mm-hmm. I am moron. Martin then called Alexis and began screaming at her through the phone and said, quote, mom fell and isn't breathing and paramedics are here. And then he hung up without giving her any other information. Or like console her yeah, nope. and like help her. Okay. Alexis then frantically left school to get back home to her family. And while Alexis was headed to the airport, she made a sudden realization. She remembered what her mother had told her before she left. If anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. 
She also remembered the over-medicating that her father had done the day after Michelle's surgery. It took you till the airport to realize this? Well, because she's probably grieving. and then I like, guess. My dad called then. me and said that. I'd be like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It would have all rushed back to me right then and there. I would have called the police myself. When Alexis arrived at the home, she asked Martin where all of her mother's pills from her surgery were. Alexis wanted to count the pills to see if her father had been over-medicating or mixing the medications. At first, Martin said, quote, I don't know. Check the garage. Why would they be in the garage? I'd be like, are they next to the tools or? Yeah, like, what does that even mean? Alexis went out to the garage and looked around for the pills and she was like, okay, weird. I don't even know why they'd be in here, but they're not. The medication was not in the garage. So Alexis came back in and said, they're not there. Martin said, quote, oh, actually, I told your brother's girlfriend, Eileen, to flush all the medication down the toilet because it was making me sad to look at it. Right then and there, Alexis knew that her dad was guilty. Yes, 100%. That is the weirdest thing you would do. Why would you throw away all the medication? The day of their mother's death. He flushed them the day of the death. Wouldn't you want to have them tested to make sure, like, I don't know, could this, she's taking these? Yeah, like, I wouldn't even be thinking about the medication. I'd be so distraught. I would just be so horrified about what happened. Yeah, but yeah, your first thought would be, okay, she's, she over-medicated herself and she drowned in the tub. Mm -hmm. So, but we got the prescribed medicine. Like, was this, did they lie? Was it over-prescribed? Was it? And you're telling your son's girlfriend? To throw him away. Mm. Oh my God. Now the girlfriend is probably like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail. (laughs) Now, Martin had some skeletons in the closet. You think? Yeah. I would think a whole party of skeletons. <laughs> no 50-year-old man. I just laughed because I pictured a part like skeletons partying and I don't... <laughs> it's true. That's what I his know. closet looks like. Yep. Yeah. No 50-year-old man starts getting in shape and starts going tanning and becomes overly confident if he's got it all going on at home, right? Well, while Alexis was home taking care of her mother the day of her facelift... Her mom had mentioned to her that she was worried that Martin, her dad, had been cheating on her. With this information, and now getting more major red flags from her dad, Alexis secretly pulled her father's phone records. Good on her. I know. Alexis is... Well, and I bet she, she just feels so guilty, too, mm-hmm. that she's trying anything she can to... to solve this. Yeah. There was one phone number that Martin was constantly calling and receiving calls from, and this was from Salt Lake City, Utah. This number ended up belonging to a woman named Gypsy Jillian Willis. Gypsy Jillian. Wow. Gypsy Jillian Willis. Okay. Martin had met Gypsy online on a dating website. And according to Gypsy, there was an instant spark. Instant chemistry between the two of them. If he's like, my thing is like, he's a prominent doctor. Everyone's supposed to know you, but you're on a dating website. Right. She said that the two of them really bonded over quantum physics. As one does. So Gypsy was a nurse and she had been divorced. To her, Martin seemed like he finally might be the man to make all of her dreams come true. Oh, I bet. Gypsy said that she was fully aware that Martin was married, but she didn't care. She didn't really want anything too serious like marriage. And she said that men cheat on their wives all the time anyways, so it didn't really affect her because it wasn't really her problem. It was his choice to do that. Martin was even assuring Gypsy that he had the perfect wife and the perfect family life back at home, so he didn't want to get into anything too serious either, so it worked out real well for them. I mean, just a couple of A-class citizens here. Yes. Just top peak performance of people. Yep. 
All right. Michelle knew all of this. Michelle had figured out that her husband was talking to a woman named Gypsy, and she was very suspicious of this person. Now Alexis was aware of this person, and she was aware that her father was in a full-on affair with someone outside of their marriage. While Alexis was learning all of this, Martin was back with police, convincing them that Michelle's death was an accident, and that she had to have drowned while he was going to pick up Ada from school. An autopsy was performed on Michelle's body, and it was determined that Michelle died of natural causes. Which would make sense if she is overdosed and drowned in a pool. Drowned in a bathtub. Yeah, well, she's taking the medications anyways. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. She drowned, probably. Like, that's probably what it showed. Like, that makes... Because natural uh, drowning wouldn't be natural causes. It would be drowning. Okay, then that doesn't make any sense. Natural causes is like... Maybe her heart stopped. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, like you just Because the away. amount of freaking drugs she took. Well, you're on to something, but mm-hmm. you'll we'll talk about it in a... You're really good at figuring these out. Okay, so. It's like we've been doing this for over a year. Yeah, it's almost like I sit here and listen to all these cases, <laughs> and that's all I can do because I'm the star of the show. When this ruling came out, all eight kids didn't buy it. Michelle was healthy. She took great care of herself. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yo, my my boy over here, you did not, you had an army of eight. Like, you ain't going to win this one. Mm-mm. Like, it's not one child who has like, oh, I don't know. My dad was such a good, no, you got eight of these people going, meh. <laughs> That don't make no sense. Mm-hmm. You're eight against one at this point. Yep. The only like medical issue that Michelle had was high blood pressure, but they didn't. They that's not something that's enough to cause you to just suddenly pass away. No. Alexis had shared with the older siblings that Martin had been cheating on Michelle and that he had overmedicated her. She also shared that her mother had told her something prior to her death. So the older siblings all had a really bad taste in their mouths when it came to their dad's involvement with their mom's death. Martin also didn't make himself look too good when he told them that we need to have the funeral immediately. She needs to be buried so we can just move on. The funeral Mm. was held three days after Michelle passed away. Can you even do an autopsy that fast? He probably, he, yeah. He probably rushed the autopsy. He rushed everything, yeah. Because he's a doctor. That's that's why. God, that is such a dumb excuse for things. Michelle's entire family and all of her friends were very skeptical about Martin, and they were letting him know how they all felt. There were rumors that began to circulate through the family and through the friend groups. Hard questions were asked of Martin on what happened and where he was and why this didn't make any sense. So because of this, Martin told all of Michelle's friends and family that they were no longer invited to the funeral because they were being insensitive and making up wild, false accusations. He then told them that if they did come to the funeral, he'd call the police and have them escorted out. Only a couple of Michelle's friends were allowed to attend the funeral, but most of the funeral was Martin's friends and family. A lot of the people that Michelle would have wanted to attend her funeral were not allowed to be there. And Martin, the day of, was not loving, caring, or nurturing toward his children. Instead, he was bossy, cold, and demeaning, and didn't even acknowledge that they were there or the grief that they were having. And no, guess who he had come to the funeral? No way. Yep, and who he touted around the funeral like arm candy. No way. Gypsy Jillian Willis. And like, as a woman, how do you not... You're disgusting. Yeah, like one... How stupid are you to not think that he did it? And two, like, you're at this debt. You're her husband, like, his husband. I think she knew he did it. I think she was okay with 
because she was feeling like I'm the one. He picked me. Well, girl, you got a lot of self confidence issues. You need to figure yourself out. Things you need to work on. I'm just saying. We've done two gypsies and look how they've turned out so far. Oh my god. Okay. To this day, Gypsy says that she has no regrets being there and she doesn't feel bad about it at all. She said that she was there to support Martin. And she doesn't regret loving Martin at all and wanted to support him and show him that she was there for him. Gypsy has a lot of problems. Just being a bad person is... Just the smallest amount of degree of it. Yeah. No, she is... Yeah, that's just disgusting on so many levels. Mm -hmm. The funeral goes on. Michelle is buried as her family says their goodbyes. His family. His family. Yeah. After the funeral, Martin and Gypsy thought it was open season to just let their relationship kick off in full swing. Gypsy began sending Martin constant nudes, claiming that she was doing this to help distract Martin from the loss of his wife. Oh, you know, not like a card, flowers. Nope. No, just Maybe like, boobies. A, like a lasagna. Yeah, you know. Okay. It um. then came out that Martin and Gypsy's rendezvous was not at all new. They had been seeing each other for almost seven years. Holy crap. So, yikes. Okay. Since Michelle was the main caretaker for the children, and Martin was always working, Martin told the kids that they needed to get a nanny now that their mother had passed away, because he could not take on the burden of working his job and being a caretaker. The two oldest daughters, Rachel and Alexis, told their dad that they would take on the role of caretaker. They knew the home, they knew their siblings, they knew the family, and they figured it would be good to spend time with their family and all just be together. But Martin said no. He said we need someone impartial and outside of this family. And he knew just the one. Martin said, I know this woman. Quote, actually, this is this is a quote. Martin said, quote, I know this woman. Uh, Jillian, Jillian something. And Alexis was like, do you mean Gypsy Jillian Willis? And Martin was like, ah, yes, that's the one. I've heard she's good with kids. Obviously. Oh, for being a doctor, he is really stupid. <laughs> yep. Like really stupid. Obviously, Alexis had been building her own case against her dad. So she was like, yeah, no way my dad is about to bring his mistress up in this house as our new nanny and pretend like he hasn't been a full on affair with her for the last seven years. And telling us that needs someone impartial. You mean the girl that you're fucking? Right. Is that 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 impartial you mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Like he almost feels like he has a God complex. Yep. Yeah. Like nothing can touch me nothing i am the i am a god i am i am above everybody not like punishment and uh, no trouble ever you think he's bad now just this is like this is literally the tip of the iceberg that is so deep down Mm, i have no doubt normally they don't stop at that no martin also explained that gypsy would be hired as a live-in nanny but to make the kids feel better they could all meet up and see how it goes when Gypsy came over to meet the kids and, quote, interview for the job, Martin played it off by asking her, quote, what's your name again? Oh, my God. So now not only is he an asshole, but now he's making, like, trying to play stupid. Like this organic. To his own kids who, one, is an, a doctor or going to be a doctor, <laughs> and he's acting like these kids are 14. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Well, Gypsy got the job. Her job duties included taking care of the kids, cooking all the meals, cleaning the house, getting the kids to where they needed to be, helping them with their homework. Gypsy did absolutely none of that. She didn't even want anything to do with the kids. And it seemed as though Gypsy was just moving in on her man and into the house. Yeah. Is that her? Yes. (laughs) Yep. That's so wild. Mm -hmm. 
And she's like so below the Michelle. wife. I know. It's like, what were you doing? And why? Yep. Ugh, that's so shitty. It seemed as though Gypsy was just moving in on her man and into the house. Rachel and Alexis, the two oldest daughters, began to really question their dad on what was going on here. Why was some woman moving in with their dad days after their mother had passed away? Why was he pretending like he didn't know who she was? And why in God's name was she not doing the damn job that we're paying her for? Mm-hmm. Martin's response Martin's response to that was to then kick Rachel and Alexis out of the house and ban him from ban them and ban them from his home. Do not ask questions and do not collect two hundred dollars when you pass go. Honestly, at this point, I'd just be like, cool, I'm out, have fun. I wouldn't because I'd want justification for my mother's death. Oh, I, no, I'm saying I wouldn't want to live there. Oh. I would just be like, yeah, have fun with this. I'm going to go get you. Arrested. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to yeah. go get you arrested. I'm going to go get you the death penalty. Yeah. Bye-bye. done with this. Have fun. This really set off Alexis and Rachel, and they wanted to know exactly what happened to their mother. While these two were working behind the scenes, trying to build their own case and learn the realities of what happened that day, Martin and Gypsy are making other plans. Gypsy told Martin that she wanted him to come out and meet her family in Wyoming. So Martin and Gypsy got on a plane and went to go meet Gypsy's parents. Gypsy introduced Martin as her boyfriend, and Gypsy's parents would later say that Martin told them that he never even loved Michelle, and that he had never experienced true love until he'd met their daughter Gypsy. There were also a lot of people in Gypsy's family, including her parents, that came out to say that Gypsy just sucks. Really? Yeah. They said that she was malicious, deceptive, and manipulative. Gypsy's mom even talked about a time that Gypsy had bit her, leaving a huge bruise. Everyone said that overall, Gypsy was just a really bad person and everybody knew how bad she was. After Martin Gypsy had met her parents, after Martin and Gypsy, I think I just gave them one name. After Martin and Gypsy had met her parents, Martin then proposed to Gypsy, asking Um, her to marry him. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean... Okay. I this, mean, like, so, yeah, I mean, everyone hates these two people. Yeah. They both suck. Yep. They're awful human beings. Yep. But it's like, how do you even show up to these people's houses? And you're like, yeah, my wife died but like a week her. ago from a drowning. But and now I'm going to marry your daughter because yep. I love her. <laughs> I'd be like, please get out of my own. Martin proposed only 90 days after his wife, Michelle, had died and died of a drowning in the bathtub, mind you. So no grief. No remorse. Oh, sadness and it wasn't it wasn't like because i know some people will lose a husband or wife and then they find comfort in somebody else like i totally get that but this was not that this was like you are now moving in on your mistress i'm sorry but if your wife unexpectedly died in a bathtub and you found the love of your life three months later no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like sometimes you just need a warm body to like hold you and make you feel better like some people will do that I, I don't know. I don't think I, if you do that, I just don't think you love the person as much as you say you did. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like there's no way. No. Three months. I, if I, you died unexpectedly, I could never climb into bed with somebody and feel like I, that would make me probably like want to throw up it and would die. Haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> it literally haunt you. But that's what I'm saying. Like to, if you truly love someone after th- like, it would take me probably years to be comfortable enough to have another woman like on a date. lay in bed with you. Yeah. And like come into a home and share those type of things again and he uh, yeah warm body i'll be like i don't want a warm body that's weird i don't know i don't like these people no they suck rachel and alexis were floored at this point they went to the police on their own 
they shared the stories of what their mother had said to yeah, Alexis. Yeah, what are the police doing too? Like, do they not? Well, they it's not? hard because he died of, she, or it's indicated that she died of natural causes. So there's nothing for them to keep investigating. So now they, the daughters are going and the police are like, all right, we can possibly. I mean, I, I guess, but I would just have questions. Like, yeah. you couldn't lift her body up yep. out of water and like the phone calls and the, and like you keep up with these, a prominent doctor yeah. in the area. You'd think they'd be able to see this guy mooching around town with a girl named Gypsy and <laughs> I think that'd be a little confusing. <laughs> Chase. <laughs> they shared the stories of what their mother had said to Alexis. The over-medicating, Gypsy, the cell phone records. But police didn't really believe them. They chalked it up to two girls being devastated by their mother's death and unable to cope with the fact that their dad was trying to move on. Yeah, I know. Dad's married in three months and these girls are just jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Yeah. But Rachel and Alexis didn't give up. They decided that if the police weren't going to help them, then they were going to turn to the media and get the general public to help them. Exactly. Boom. The two really focused on a true crime community, trying to get someone to just run a story on their mom's case and their father's scandal. Unfortunately, every reporter and crime journalist turned them down. They really didn't want to get involved with someone's family drama. And again, they also believed it was just two girls who were struggling to cope with the loss of their mom. Kelsey would be like, hmm? Drama, you say? You know, I'd be like, let me Sit down. I'm like, Martin with an M. Yep, you would be all about that. Because I'd be like, let's get this. But you wouldn't put your name out there. Well, I would be a little nervous. Yeah, I know you would. But you would be all about it. You would just put like an anonymous newsletter out. Yeah, I try to tread lightly with truth. Me, though, I'd be all about it. But like, I'd put my name. I'd sign it in big bold like John Hancock. Like, come and see me, Martin. Yeah. Beat his ass. Dare you. I think like I think I would take it because Martin has a lot of qualities that like my real dad has. So I would be like, "Mm, yeah, I smell the ick from a mile away. Let's let's everyone smelt the ick, though. I would interview all her family. I would interview his family. I would interview Michelle's family. Yeah. Like everyone would come out and say, "Yeah, these are shitty people." Yeah, like, <laughs> like it wouldn't be like me saying it. I would no. let everyone else spill it. Yeah. So I'd just be like, "I just, I just let everyone else speak." But mm-hmm. I also don't like you either. But finally, Rachel and Alexis went to the governor's office in Utah, and they brought a lot of information and documentation when they met with the governor because they were desperate to get someone to start looking into their case. This is when they were put in contact with Doug Whitney and Jeff Robinson, who were special case detectives with the Utah governor's office. The governor assigned these two, this case specifically, to start looking more into it. Good Which is even governor. better than yeah. the police and Good the media. The governor. The governor. Good yeah. At least someone cared. Yeah. Doug and Jeff began their investigation by looking into Martin. Who was he? Where did he come from? How was he as a person? Well, they were pretty quick to learn that Martin McNeil, oh, he was a pathological liar and had been since he was little. This is when these two knew that this case was about to open a colossal can of worms. The first thing that Doug and Jeff learned was that Martin, the prestigious and wonderful medical physician, or physician, or I don't know, you need to put medical. Well, He's a physician. I believe he probably never was a doctor. So, God, if you don't probably have to say anything. But the big wig doctor, he had gotten into medical school without an undergraduate degree because he didn't have an undergraduate degree how does that even happen so he never went to brigham young university and like how does that happen that happens a lot more than you think well that's not good because if i could have done that that would have saved me a lot of money (laughs) i know know. where where was where was where was my mcknight guy i needed him (laughs) 
McNeil. McNeil, yeah, him. Like, I, I, you know how much money I would have saved if I, I could just flopped up a piece of paper and be like, I went there. Martin had faked all of his transcripts to get into school. And like, I feel like, this, I, I mean, I didn't apply to grad school because I did Because I can't afford it. <laughs> that and I did four and four is enough for me. But I feel like when you apply to those grad schools, they reach out to the college. You would think. I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, would think. I don't know, but I would think because there's an extensive process to get into grad school. So it's like, do you not like, does that, is that not happen? Do people just go, oh, I believe you. Like, I don't well, know how it works, but okay. I feel like there has to be, don't you need like references and like. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like when Martin went to med school, it was a lot different than med school now. Like everything is online for us. So you can't no, fake agree. anything. I agree. Martin had faked all his transcripts and he'd never actually gone to college prior to med school so he just made everything up but people did say that martin was a known con man and he was someone who was naturally brilliant so he was actually somebody who was completely capable to do stuff like this oh i have no doubt and he's a good looking dude so people aren't gonna look the other way he's smart yeah jeff and doug also learned that martin had served in the army another thing that martin would boast about which like i love veterans like boast away but not martin no, I Martin have no doubt. Campos. Yeah, no. what did he do there? Nothing. No. He signed the paperwork. Oh, just wait. They learned that Martin had only served in the army for two years, and then he'd gone to the army psychiatrist and told them that he had begun hearing voices since he'd gotten into the army, and that he was really nervous that he was a schizophrenic. The army was basically like, "Yeah, well, we can't have that out on the front lines. We certainly cannot have that." <laughs> Shit, they probably do now. <laughs> so <laughs> you're being diagnosed with schizophrenia, and we're discharging you. Mm-hmm. Martin, knowing what he was doing, was able to live off of the Army's disability paychecks for 30 years. Holy crap. Martin was getting an extra $3,000 from the military in addition to the stipend that he was already getting. I did the math for you. Martin conned $1,080,000 from the military in disability alone. So almost $1.1 million. Yep. From just disability, not even the other stipend. Yep. So that's where all our tax dollars are going. Yep. That's why there's cool. veterans out on the street. Yeah, but this guy. Yep. Yeah, because what? Uh, he probably served the minimum amount of time you needed to get disability mm-hmm. and amount that you and get from the government. The schizophrenia. Yeah. Which, if I were somebody in his platoon, I'd be like, no way that guy got out with schizophrenia and now he's a doctor. As this guy had probably gets blown up with like half his leg and yeah. like, yeah, and he's probably mm-hmm. getting less than what he was getting. Yep. This also led Jeff and Doug to discover that Martin kickstarted his criminal career by writing phony checks. We haven't had a phony check case in a while, but you know what I'm going to say. I don't even know. Like, it's never you have bad mil- checks. You're getting $3,000 now and you're making a false, like, phony checks. Like, just use the money that mm-hmm. you have. Martin would write phony checks left and right. And he would buy everything using these checks, even though he didn't have, he would say he didn't have the money, which I think he was spending it as fast as it came in. So that's why he didn't have any money. Martin would then manipulate the system by telling the bank that his checkbook was stolen and he wasn't the one spending this money. So he'd get reimbursed. Oh, wow. Yeah. hmm, He was buying things from clothing to jewelry to paying bills to even buying a year supply of chocolate covered cherries. A year supply. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to me, though, that's the thing. It's like if you go to the bank and I was like, I'm not behind and not buy a year's supply of chocolate-covered so cherries, they'd probably be like, okay, I understand <laughs> that. That does seem like a scam. <laughs> like that, I get it. And make He probably did kind of buy some outlandish stuff to be like, look, it wasn't me. I know. 
but yeah, I don't, I get it. Like I, I would feel the same way if I was the bank. I'd be like, yeah, that is kind of weird. <laughs> you must really love cherries. Well, Martin was eventually caught for this and he was charged with fraud and he was sentenced to jail for 180 days and he was then on parole for three years. So this is all before he met Michelle. Yeah. And this all happened before Martin attended med school. So a lot of people in Michelle's life and his life didn't know about this because he changed locations entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Doug and Jeff were flabbergasted. Those two are working away on Martin's past. Rachel and Alexis are now having to deal with what's going on inside the home. Martin and Michelle had adopted four children who were much younger than the older four. So that's why they were trying to bring in a new nanny. Well, once Michelle died, Martin didn't really want kids anymore. Hmm. Martin and Gypsy were trying to put three of the adopted kids up for adoption to a new family. Martin told Alexis and Rachel one day that he was planning to have these four adopted by a family in California who really wanted them. They're not pets. No. This became a bloodbath because these kids are a part of the family and they're his children and you can't just send them away. It's like, yeah, like they like he really could have cared less about Michelle. Uh Uh-huh. And his kids. And that's just so sad. Well, because, like, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's connected to her. Yep. Like, anything to do with her, he literally could not have cared less. Nope. And it's like, why? If you're going to kill somebody, okay, I get it. Well, maybe, okay, now I, okay, now I'm getting it. He, he's, he's not stupid. Like, you get her to do a ginormous long surgery that could kill you. That doesn't work. You get a bunch of pain meds and you kill her slowly that way instead. Mm-hmm. And it all looks like an accident. I mean, it's not a stupid plan. See? That's why I would like, oh, she, he wants her to look like Gypsy. I'm like, no, he just wants her dead. No, he wants her dead. Yeah. Yeah. That was a whole idea to kill her. Yeah. Alexis and Rachel said no way, and they began to fight for their siblings. Martin then decided that they were going to send their oldest daughter, of the, the oldest of the four mm, adopted, the four, yeah. Giselle, who'd been adopted from Ukraine, back to Ukraine, quote, just to visit. She was only 16. Martin said that this was just for the summer so she could go to know her home country, spend time away from home and travel. Well, Martin only bought her a one-way ticket. So when she was over there, Martin was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not coming back, so you need to find a new family over there. Since Giselle was now over in Ukraine, Gypsy was trying to find a way to commit identity fraud and steal Giselle's identity. Martin took Giselle's social security number and created a new identity for Gypsy. They even went to court. They changed the date on the birth certificate and the social security card. I have no idea how they got away with it, but they did. The reason for this identity change was because Gypsy had about $60,000 in credit card debt. And this is the way that they were going to get rid of it. According to Gypsy, she didn't really want to take this route. And it was really Martin. But because of this, she was able to get two fake military ID cards with the fake name. And then had three joint bank accounts with Martin under the name. So she was kind of like, "Eh, I mean, now I got some I'm already a shitty person. (laughs) So what's to add more to the resume? Right. Right. She's like, identity theft is nothing with what I've done. What I've already done. Oh, yeah. Whatever. She had an entirely new identity, new bank accounts, credit cards, government IDs. Michelle's sister, Linda, became really involved with the kids after her sister's death. And she was wondering why Giselle hadn't come back from Ukraine yet. And, like, she doesn't have family there. No, she has no one. Nope. Linda then sent her own daughter, Giselle's cousin, to Ukraine to visit Giselle and figure out why she wasn't coming home. This is when they found out that 
One, Giselle only had a one-way ticket and she was living in these awful conditions that Martin had found for her. She was sharing one pull-out couch with four different people. After a year, and she's only 16, after a year of being in Ukraine, Giselle was finally brought home. Giselle and the entire family learned about the stolen identity, so they took this to Doug and Jeff as well, hoping to build an even stronger case against their dad. Doug and Jeff had enough, and they're like, okay, we need to like book this guy for something while yeah, we figure he, out his he's wife. He's just going to keep yeah, getting he's worse. he's just awful. Gypsy and Martin were arrested for identity theft. The police really just wanted to nab these two for anything, so they just brought him in on identity fraud, and they kept him there while they worked on Michelle's death and found a way to pin him for murder. Mm-hmm. Martin was sentenced to four years in jail, and Gypsy pled guilty for four felonies. Police also got an ick from Gypsy. Oh, I, I can't imagine why. Yeah, they were like, you know what? You're just an awful person. You, ugh. They thought something was really off, and based on the timelines, they believed that Gypsy was involved with Michelle's death. Uh, they were dating for seven years, Yeah, so it makes total sense. At this point, it had been four years since Michelle had died, so they'd been dating for 11 but police knew that they'd only have one shot at Martin and Gypsy and they had to strike while the iron was hot because these two were behind bars and couldn't do much for a while. Police needed to get the medical examiner's cause of death changed because it stated that she died of natural causes. And you can't convict someone of murder when someone has died of a natural cause. Murder isn't natural. Makes sense. When Michelle was found by her daughter, Ada, her head and her body were fully submerged under the water. When the neighbor across the street came over, he also said that by the time he got there, Michelle's body was still underwater, even though Martin had been, quote, making attempts to save her. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would pull her up. Even if you can't lift her up, you get her head out of the damn water. He said that her eyes were open and she was sitting right under the tub's faucet. Ada and the neighbor also said that the water was red. And they said that once they noticed the water, Martin quickly drained the tub. Martin's story to the police was totally different. Martin said that Michelle was bent halfway over the tub, like basically kneeling with her face and head and shoulders face down in the water. He said it looked like she'd slipped and fallen headfirst into the tub, like she was getting ready to take a bath and then slipped. Martin said that he had accidentally given the wrong address because he'd forgotten his actual address in the chaos. But you remembered your neighbor's address. He lived there for 30 years. So... That is the dumbest thing I've heard. Mm -hmm. Martin had also told EMTs and the dispatcher that he'd been doing CPR on Michelle. But when EMTs got there, they began doing CPR and a lot of of water came out of Michelle's lungs. The neighbor also stated that when he saw Martin doing the CPR, it was an extremely poor attempt. And he was not putting his back into it like you're supposed to. But he's a doctor. I know. Like CPR is not, CPR is pretty violent. And it's not hard. No. Well, it's a lot of effort. Like, my mom did it to Michael's mom, and she broke her rib. Yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. Of how yeah. hard you have to push on somebody. Yep, you got to push hard. But And they always say, like, if you hear cracking, you, I mean... You, you have to keep stop. going. Yeah, you yeah. don't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, mean, I would rather break a couple ribs than die. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, is, like, I would break your ribs right now if you oh. if you needed to survive. <laughs> I needed to, oh, like... No, it's true. Like, I would rather break your ribs and let you die because I'm like, oh, I don't want to hold her. Like, I know. no, I'm breaking those motherfuckers. Like, Get out of the way, ribs. <laughs> yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat because I'm like, I need to, you need to save somebody. Mm-hmm. And you're a physician, so you know how to do CPR. Well, 
somewhat a physician. He's a faux physician. Yeah, <laughs> he's a wannabe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess he did I guess graduate. Because yeah. that is still hard. I, I will mean, say that. It's pretty impressive to not go to school and then go, I'm going to med school. <laughs> and then pass and graduate. He's the wish version. Yeah, or Sheen. Yeah. Oh, God. The McNeil kids also took no time to go to the media once their dad was arrested. They shared everything about their dad. They also pleaded to the community for anyone to come forward and share their stories about how their dad had either hurt them or manipulated them or was deceitful. Well, this brought in a whole herd of people with stories good. about Martin McNeil. Well, no one liked him in the community because no. he was such a D-bag. Yeah. None of these stories were good. There were even quite a few women who came forward to say that Martin had sexually assaulted them. This included patients of his. Oh, I couldn't. I'm so shocked. Mm-hmm. They also stated that Martin was extremely inappropriate with them in his clinic, and he'd even threatened them before they left if they told anybody. He said that he could make things happen, and he gets away with everything. Yeah, God complex. Yep. One woman named Anna Osborne came forward and told police about the time that she and Martin were together, and Martin randomly told her that he'd killed his brother. Whoa. She's like, thank you. I actually just came in for my annual physical. I've been having some tummy aches. Yeah, I guess you needed an event that day. Yeah, I would be like, no, no, that's not on my chart. Well, it sucks that like all this stuff is still hidden. I know. Well, despite having already dug deep into Martin McNeil's can of worms, Anna ripped that lid right off. Martin's brother was named Rufus Roy McNeil. And Martin told Anna that he'd killed his brother because he had been an utter embarrassment to the McNeil family. So he'd given him a syringe full of drugs. He also told her that he tried to kill his own mother and that he'd done several mercy killings while he was a doctor. Martin told Anna that he'd only killed people who were either handicapped or had no chance in life anyways. Yeah, so God complex. Yeah, he really, really thought he was above everybody. Yep. Police at this point believed that Martin McNeil was a serial killer. When police spoke with the medical examiner, they learned that Martin was able to convince the medical examiner of the findings. Police then had Michelle's toxicology report reviewed, and oh boy, they learned that Michelle had a whole cocktail of deadly drugs in her system, including Oxy, Ambien, Valium, and Mortab. Holy crap. Yep. The day that Michelle had died, she was pretty recovered, so there was no need to have those like that many drugs or those drugs in her system. And there was no way those drugs should have ever been mixed. Police determined that someone had to have force-fed Michelle those drugs. So the medical examiner changed Michelle's cause of death from natural causes to undetermined. On July 6, 2012, Martin was released from jail for his identity theft charges. Damn, like four years and they still couldn't get enough information on him. But Martin didn't get to stay home long before he was arrested again and charged with first-degree murder of his wife, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Martin had only gotten seven weeks of freedom before he was arrested and held on a $1 million bond. Mm, Seven too many, though. Yeah, he could not pay because he was broke as a joke. Good. The trial began, and all eight kids came to the trial holding photos of their mother. They wanted Martin to look at photos of Michelle while he was up there on the stand defending himself. The media was at the point where they were eating this case up. Nancy Grace would even talk about it all day long, and the case captivated American viewers. This was an established, polished, upstanding doctor who'd served our military and even had a law degree, supposedly. Yeah, this is, yeah. Yeah. So how could this have happened? Yeah, that's like, (laughs) right. that is definitely the sheen version of what you're trying to say. (laughs) 
military veteran two years and took on and abused the military system yeah doctor he lied about everything yeah. upstanding citizen he literally molested a bunch of people and killed off people in wheelchairs yes yeah but sure we'll go with that headline <laughs> that's more captivating yeah mm-hmm. the defense argued that martin had nothing to do with this death despite all of his bad behavior yeah he was cheating and yeah he wanted to be done with her but no he didn't kill her this was a natural death, through and through. She fell in the bathtub and she died. The defense got back up and said that Martin couldn't lift his wife out of the bathtub because he had toe cancer and it was running rampant that day. No pun intended. I actually didn't mean to intend that. Oh, I get it. Run rampant. Yeah. Okay, but my thing is, is, when was this ever mentioned? <laughs> you think, ow, my toe. I can't do I also it. wouldn't care what kind of cancer I had. If my loved one was underwater, I would... Babe, I'm so sorry, but my toe is just killing me. <laughs> like... I'm waiting for the neighbor. Like, what? Yeah, that's wild. And a toe is... I know, like, an ingrown toenail can be really painful, but, like, a toe is a small also, like, body but, like, part. Also, like, he's now, like... But isn't that going back against his... What he said, what, that she was bent over the tub? Yeah. Okay, she was bent over the tub. You could grab you her by the grab back. her by the head and yeah. pull her out. But now, so like that doesn't, now you're just contradicting yourself. Mm -hmm. They also said that this toe cancer made Martin really sick and really weak and that he probably wasn't going to live much longer than this. And look, it even causes him to walk with a limp. And Martin made sure to play up that limp in court. Oh, I have no doubt. I hope he died. I hope everyone, I hope they had to cut off his foot (laughs) and he was a limp for a while. The prosecution got up there and said, no way. This was premeditated because Martin wanted to be with Gypsy, and if he divorced his wife, who was a stay-at-home wife, he would have had to pay her and give her the house to raise the kids, and he didn't want to do that. So he decided to just get rid of her so he could start his new life with his mistress. Yeah, I mean, he's already broke. Yep. This was easy for him to do because he was a fake doctor and had access to tons of different medications, and they said that he gave her the drugs and possibly drowned her or suffocated her or hit her on the head. No one knows exactly what happened, but drugs were given, and they were given by Martin. The prosecutor also said that Martin had premeditated this because Martin had driven miles out of town who, to find a doctor who would prescribe this combination of drugs. So he was doctor shopping until another doctor would prescribe exactly what Martin wanted in order to create the cocktail that would kill his wife. I think that there's some, there needs to be some type of punishment for that doctor as well. He, I don't know if there was. Um, he got up and testified. I think he testified in exchange for... Mm, maybe but yeah like you should lose your medical license i don't think you should like inside like get insider drugs and i mean i know it's a i know it's a big problem sorry my microphone is i'm trying to yeah but like yeah that's still just ridiculous that like you should be punished yeah there's no reason you should have given like for a for cosmic like or for facial like cosmetic because that's it (laughs) cosmetic surgery you should not be giving this woman massive amounts of, like, painkillers. No. And the fact that you signed this off, mm-hmm. you, that's your signature. He couldn't do it. No, I know. Like, it's like you provided the gun that killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be in trouble. You should, you should be in trouble. Yeah. Giving all those drugs. The prosecution also brought in a bathtub to show the position of Michelle's body in the bathtub. And they put lots of people on the stand to talk through all the indiscrepancies in Martin's stories. Good. The prosecution also brought in his son's girlfriend, Irene, who had flushed the medication down the toilet. 
she told the story about how Martin had guilt-tripped her into flushing all of Michelle's medications down the toilet, and she felt bad because he was reminding her that he had just lost his wife, and he yeah, just so, needed her yeah, to do this. Make her feel like crap. Yeah. During the trial, Chief Prosecutor Chad Chad Grenander stated, quote, It was an almost perfect murder. Martin McNeil pumped her full of drugs that he knew would be difficult to detect once she was dead. The prosecution also called a cardiologist to give evidence, and he testified that the inflammation in Michelle's heart was benign and not severe enough to present a significant risk of cardiac death. And then an expert in forensic pathology testified that he found no evidence of myocarditis and instead believed that the cause of death may have been drowning. And this was based on the five points that he gave. Gave. Not gave. Gave. <laughs> One. When medical, when, one, when emergency responders perform CPR on Michelle, she regurgitated large amounts of water. This indicated that she had swallowed water and no one had given her CPR. Two, water was found in Michelle's airway. This indicated that she inhaled a significant amount of water. Three, Michelle's lungs were twice as heavy as typical lungs. Four, fluid was found in the chambers of Michelle's lungs. And five, Michelle's blood was significantly diluted. This occurs when someone inhales water and it streams into the blood vessels and then into the general circulation of your body. (laughs) Drowning for, ugh, God, I never want to drown. No. That just sounds miserable. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. Gives me chills. Then they brought in the hook, line, and sinker, Anna Osborne. Anna shared with the courtroom about everything Martin had told her about who he's killed and who he's tried to kill. She also shared that Martin told her multiple times, quote, I have the perfect way of killing someone without getting caught. Martin had also told Anna that if you give someone too much potassium, it will give someone a heart attack. We already have potassium in our bodies, so you can't give yourself too much potassium, but it also wouldn't be detected in a medical examination. Hmm. which is why they tell you only have one banana a day. I've never heard that. Really? No. Unless you're like a really big runner because you, I think you burn off potassium when you work out. But yeah, they tell you no more than one banana a day because it's too much potassium for you. Hmm. Well, good thing I don't eat any, so I'm in good shape. Yeah, you're not. I was going to say you're not even a banana fan. No, not really. <laughs> During the trial, Martin didn't show any sort of expression or remorse. He also sat there blankly as his children testified on the prosecution's behalf. They told awful stories about how their mother had passed and Martin didn't even bat an eye. When it was time for Alexis to testify, the judge made a ruling that she was not allowed to talk about what Michelle had told her prior to her death. The, if anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. The judge said that this was hearsay and she couldn't share it with the jury. But why? I know. Like, that's so weird. Like, why? Regardless, Alexis still managed to nail her testimony and made a really big impact on the jury. On the well, sixth, all you'd have to do is look at him standing I, there with no, no. emotion whatsoever mm-hmm. and be like, "Wow, this guy really—he's more pissed that he's just here." Yeah, he's bored. Yeah. On the sixth day of the trial, Gypsy Jillian Willis took the stand to testify. What could she possibly say? She was an unbothered sociopath up on that stand. She was very matter of fact. She was unemotional. She was unbothered. She was bored. There was no remorse. There was no emotion. And she was trying her damn near hardest to defend Martin up there. It was shared with the jury that during Martin Gypsy's time in prison, they'd exchanged love letters. The love letters were read aloud for the courtroom. Oh, boy. This is when Martin began to cry. No way. Yeah, he was crying over his love for Gypsy. 
Then they brought in the inmates. These inmates were beside Martin during his four years in prison. And they shared that Martin never limped, never talked about foot pain, didn't claim to have any cancer there. And the, his prosecutor, the fucking defense, like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Damn it. The defense attorney's, like, kicking Martin's foot under yeah, the table. Yeah, you better start crying. <laughs> there were a few inmates who said sometimes Martin would use a cane, but he said that it was for multiple sclerosis. And probably a pimp cane because he thought it was cool. Oh, they also stated that Martin talked, oh, they also said that Martin talked about his relationship with Michelle Martin said that they'd had a really bad relationship and Michelle was trying to steal his money and that he had to take care of her because she wouldn't allow him to cheat on her. As would most respectable adults. Would. You should just let him. Yeah. Yeah. Silly goose. Martin said that... He told another inmate that he'd given Michelle some oxy and some sleeping medication and then asked her to go get into the bath. Martin said that he had to, quote, help her out and hold her head under the water. He also said, quote, I'm glad that bitch is dead. Martin said that Michelle was just in the way, but they couldn't prove that he did it. After hearing all these testimonies, the jury was like, yeah, we're, we've had enough. We're good here. On September 19th, 2014, the jury found Martin McNeil guilty of first-degree murder and obstruction of justice. A few months passed before the sentencing, and all of the kids got up, and they said something directly to Martin. They all asked the judge to give their father the maximum sentence. During this entire thing, Martin didn't cry. He didn't look sad. He was giggling and joking around with his attorneys. He was looking around. He was obviously bored. He was yawning. He was rolling his eyes. The judge came back and gave Martin the maximum sentence, 15 years to life. Gypsy was never prosecuted. What? Nope. And her involvement couldn't be proven. Martin and Michelle had been married for 29 years, two months, and 10 days at the time of her death. Martin McNeil was 61 years old when he committed suicide in prison on April 9th, 2017. He committed suicide. The most cowardly thing you can do. He was two and a half years into his sentence. He was found lifeless on an outside yard near the prison's greenhouse. And according to the report from the Unified Police Department, Martin McNeil had used a hose and a natural gas line that was providing fuel for a heater for the greenhouse to, to take his own life. Basically hot boxes. Yeah. Emma, yeah. It would take six long years to solve the mystery of Michelle McNeil's murder and then secure a first degree murder conviction against Martin McNeil, her husband. Lifetime has a movie, The Good Doctor, The Martin McNeil Story. And other than that, that is the case of Michelle and Martin McNeil. So it took six years to prosecute him, and he only spent two years serving a term. Yep. Oh, uh, well, good thing there's, well, hopefully there's a place called hell. And I hope he's really enjoying yep. it down there. Like, that's just that's such a cowardly thing. You commit suicide. And if you look at, if you listen to interviews with Gypsy, she'll literally sit there and go, no, I don't regret it. I loved him. I don't care that he was married. Like, ew. If you are if you are knowingly and willingly getting into a relationship with somebody who's married and you and have no he, problem with that, I, I literally want nothing to and, do with you. And oh, you're going to tell me that this guy was just telling random patients about all the people he killed, but I he know. didn't tell Gypsy? 
I know. Like, are you kidding me? Like, like, she knows that he killed him. She knows that she she probably was a part of it. I think she was a part of it. Yeah. Like, you're telling me he's just randomly assaulting women and telling him that he killed a bunch of his brother and all these people and tried to kill his mom. But, like, Gypsy had no idea. I, honest to God, think that he was like, I'm going to convince Michelle to get a facelift and then I'll just drug her with drugs. No one will know. Yeah. And no one will know. So we can kill her. And Gypsy was like, okay. Sure. Yeah. And then they both said we got into this because we didn't want anything serious. We didn't want marriage. Michelle's murdered and then he proposes and she says yes. Mm-hmm. So riddle me that, Martin. Gypsy. Mm. What a shit story. That just sucks. I feel so bad for Michelle and our kids. And like I said, that. now I'm even more really like if I was the daughter, I would have just felt so so much guilt. I think what really scares me is like not that you're going to do anything to me. Like I trust you, but. That's a lot of effort. No, I know. And you have no interest in that. But I think what really scares me is like you, he was married to her for 29 years. And then one day was like, just "Mm, snapped, not into it anymore. I'm going to kill her. And that's what's so scary because you love somebody so much and you get into a relationship with them. But people are capable of anything. Like, Well, who knows? Because like, I don't know if it, I don't think this was a one day thing. I really do. Like, yeah, you were cheating on your wife for seven years. And I think at first they both were like, yeah, this is a fun thing. Fun fling. And then I think it took a couple, maybe like a year or two to really, like they it started to come set in stone. Like, I really just want to be with you. Like, I thought this would be a fling. And then it turned into like, no, we should, I really want to be with you the rest of my life. But I have this wife. No, 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 no. I, I just, I can't do that to her. I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah. And then it finally just came to the fruition of like, no, I want to be with Gypsy and I hate my wife. Like, I think it took. Yeah it took a time for all this to kind of settle. And then he finally came up with the right plan. And but I think to he murder her, it. like, and even said like, he had to hold her head underwater. Yeah. But that's why I'm saying it. I think it took time. Like, I really do think he over time just became numb and hated his wife. Like, I don't think no. he woke up and was because like 29 years is a long time. I get if you were together for like three years. No, no. What I'm saying <laughs> is, is I can, no, no, no. What I'm saying is I can understand where like, it, he turned in like three days completely hate your wife and hate your children that takes time yeah like i i really do think like i think he was, was resentful a, of his entire life the entire time he was in it Mm-hmm. but i i think it did take some convincing to his own brain and everything mm-hmm. else like how do i do this because you can't just wake up one day and look at your kids and go i no longer want you. yeah or i hate you yeah yeah no like he was obviously a good father for a while right. he had eight kids and for his kids to leave his her like the mom like that after a surgery and not find anything super weird and then trust the father yeah you have to be a good father for a while like i think this was a growing thing he met gypsy it was supposed to be a fling and it grew and it grew and it grew and then he started to despise his wife despise his own kids yeah and was like i don't care what happens to them i want to be with her and i will hate my life but that's what happens when you're a psychopath you get bored i know and like yeah he he was cheating and killing and doing all this stuff for harassing women in his like his workplace for a while. Like even during those twenty nine years, he was still a shitty person. He was, he was still doing nasty things yeah. and killing people and killing off people. Like it wasn't like he met Gypsy and then all this bad stuff happened. Right. Yeah. And Gypsy, if you're listening, which you probably aren't, but I hate you. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Crime with a K. If you want to send us a case, you can send it to Crime with a K at gmail.com. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.